Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Sometimes my wife and I like to watch award shows like uh, for entertainers and movies and TV. And the favorite part that I like, well, this is kind of weird, but the favorite part that I like during the show is when they start showing all the entertainers who died the previous year. You ever watch the show? Yeah, I think that portion of the show where the, the music gets somber and they start showing these pictures. And, and the reason why I, I want to watch that part of the show is because I'm wondering if anybody out there who's a current entertainer is, is waking up at all. <laughs> it, like, does that get their attention at all? And it's amazing that the clip just shows all these famous actors and actresses who died the past year. And then it's over because the show must go on. And it continues on with its regular scheduled programming. And there's no stopping and asking, where did all those people just go? Is, is there a God? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? There seems to be no stopping, no reflecting. It's like the show must go on. Now, what I'm afraid of for me, and what I'm afraid of for you, is that there'll be little glimpses in your life where God is trying to get our attention in a variety of ways. And when these things happen, I'm afraid for me that when I get these small glimpses of mortality or these occasional insights of God, heaven, and hell, and these small motivations on how I must live in light of those realities, that I forget them. And then I carry on with life as usual. And when we do this, we are treating our lives in relation to God, in relation to this world. We're often treating it just like we're unbelievers, like this is all there is. And I don't want my life to be all about the show must go on. I want to think about the Lord, heaven, hell, mortality, and I want to say this is a show stopper. This gets my attention. This wakes me up to eternal realities. There are unseen things that are more real than what we can see. And I want those to grab my attention and say, this is a showstopper. How am I going to live in light of eternity? And that's what I want for you as well this morning. I want that which is unseen to take root in my heart. I want that which is unseen to take root in my actions. And if you're on board with that, let's do it. Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to cover verses 8 through 12 today. Um, Two weeks ago, we were talking about faith being this inner certainty of unseen realities and an expression of those unseen realities in our actions. It means that we believe something and we do something. Tony Evans, a great uh, pastor I love, he he puts it like this, much better than I can. He says, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Not feeling like God is telling the truth. Not saying that God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. 
Unless it has hit your feet, it is not faith. It's walking by faith, not talking by faith. And Hebrews 11 is all about those who are doing stuff. And two weeks ago, we saw the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah, men who believed in the existence of God and yet showed it as well in their faithfulness. And it's the kind of faithfulness the Hebrews, this church is to display. It's the kind of faithfulness that we need to press on in Jesus. Today, we're going to see two more of those who live by faith, Abraham and Sarah. Get this. They not only believed it intellectually, but they did stuff based upon unseen realities. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 11, start in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Little backstory. You want some backstory? Well, the backstory comes from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. So the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. Things were familiar to him in his pagan country. Things were familiar to him like friends and relatives who I'm sure he was close to. He hears a voice from God to go to another place and he immediately obeys. God spoke to him and he acted. God spoke to him and he acted. Make sure you understand this. Faith obeys the voice of God. Every single one of you who's a believer would agree with that, right? Faith obeys the voice of God. And now you may say to me, okay, pastor, I'm down with that. But let me tell you this, God has not spoken to me recently. And if he would just speak to me, then I will obey his voice. And so I'm going to push back on that very gently, um, okay, and, and say, this is a really heavy book. And he has been speaking to you. The question is, are you listening? Because so many times, is this is true, we want direction from God. We'll do whatever you say, God. And he's like, uh, excuse me, I've said a lot. So it goes kind of like this, all right? So some of you may be praying, Lord, what should we do this summer? Lord, just give us wisdom. Should we move or not this summer? Just give us, and, and you're, you're seeking the Lord, and the Lord says to you, be baptized. And you're thinking, Lord, what does baptism have to do with anything? But for some of you, you've not obeyed a simple command to be baptized yet. And you're wanting the Lord to give you this grand insight, what you're supposed to do with your life. It, it goes something like this. It goes, Here's a prayer. Lord, please give us wisdom. We should know whether we should retire or not. Just, Lord, please help us to know if we should buy this house or not. And the Lord says to you, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. You're like, Lord, what are you talking about? I want to know whether I should buy a house or retire. And you're talking about forgiveness. 
And the Lord's like, yeah, there's people in your life that you've not forgiven, and yet you want me to give you insight and wisdom on what you're supposed to do? Do you see how that works? Sometimes we are over here, put the Bible behind us, we're praying and talking to God about things he doesn't want to talk about because you're ignoring what he's already talked about. We are totally on board with faith obeys the voice of God. Amen. If God would just speak, he has spoken. Too many times we want him to get on our agenda, tell me what to do on my agenda when he's already given you agenda and you're ignoring what he's already given you. So why should he give you even more? You see how that works? Faith obeys the voice of God. Let's not be hypocritical to say, God, I am so ready to respond to whatever you want to tell me when you're not ready to respond to what he's already revealed. Faith obeys the voice of God. Now I want you to look at verse 8 again. Notice that Abraham went out, and it says very clearly, and he went out at the very end, not knowing where he was going. I love that. (laughs) Tony Evans once again says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I'll say it again. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. And we are told that Abraham, he left, did not know where he was going. He didn't go to his phone, didn't go to Google Maps. He's like, God, you're going to have to provide the directions. Because he had an inner certainty that whatever God was taking and wherever that was, it was okay because he was being obedient to the voice of God. So let's add to our little sentence here. Faith obeys the voice of God even when the earthly future is not clear. I'm going to obey you, God, but I don't know what's going to happen. And once again, keep chapter 11 in context. He's saying these things so that the Hebrews were to obey the voice of the Lord, stand firm in Jesus, even as they didn't know what was about to happen to them. We saw from some other passages in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 37 and 38 says, for in just a little while, he is coming. He will be coming and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. He's saying, look, you don't know what's going to happen right now in the immediate future, but Jesus is coming back. Stand firm. Don't bail. Obey the voice of God even when the future is unclear. Now, once again, we're not under persecution right now. So I want us to think about me telling you to obey the voice of God even when the future is unclear. Because I am guessing that I am speaking to a room full of control freaks. Anybody? Okay, good. And so I'm telling you, obey the voice of God, even when the future does not seem unclear. And you're like, I don't know what I think about that. So I'm going to try to undercut four assumptions really quick, okay? Uh, You don't have to write these down because it's too much to to write down. But I'm going to start with four assumptions to undercut all the control freaks in here. Number one. Here's an assumption we have. We may assume that if our earthly future cannot be guaranteed to be better than our present, then it must not be the will of God. How many of you assume that if it's not going to be better for you in the future, 
then it must not be the will of God. Like unless you can have a guarantee that obeying will make it better, unless you got that guarantee, then uh-uh. No, 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 no. For example, I don't know if I've ever heard this before. I'm sure I have. I'm sure you have too. Maybe you've thought this, and I'm not just picking on the women in here. But I don't know if there's any women in here who have ever thought this. I will submit to my husband only if he changes. But if there is a chance that he will not change, then it is not God's will for me to submit to him. Did I step on any toes? Do you know that Abraham responded immediately to God's voice in the unknown future? The Hebrews were to be obedient to God's voice, unknown future, no guarantee of anything on the earth. Second assumption I want to try to undercut. Now, I don't know who I'm speaking to here. I don't know, I don't know who's listening now online, but listen to this, all right? We may assume that if something is going to make us leave our extended family, then it is not the will of God. Now, I don't know who I'm speaking to here, but really, I don't know who it is. I feel like it's somebody, though, that some of you may be thinking, and you're really wrestling with this right now, that you're thinking, there is no way that God will ever call me into missions because I have so much family here. Like, you're kind of wondering if God's calling you, and you're like, nah, he's not calling me. I'm around so much family, it's impossible. Well, we are told that Abraham left his father's household. And I don't know if you know this, but some of the Hebrews were ostracized by their families for following Jesus. Did you know that when you start to follow Jesus, it doesn't make everything in your family go great? You know that? Jesus said something about that, about fathers and mothers. and yeah, Remember that? Third assumption. And now I'm speaking to those of you who've moved into the village. Maybe you've moved from, which is all of you. Um, maybe I'm speaking to some married couples. Uh, we may assume that if it's going to bring some challenges and hardships on my wife and I, then it's not the will of the Lord. Maybe some of you moved into the village and you think, you know, I come to the village, everything is supposed to be good. I just retired. I've been working my whole life, been crazy. I want to come in here, relax. And so anything you put in front of me that looks like it's going to be a challenge, it must not be the will of God. There may be people that God is calling you to minister to and to share the gospel with, but you're thinking, no, that's going to make me uncomfortable. It must not be the will of God. May the Lord undercut your assumptions. And the last assumption is this. Um, we may assume that if we can be, can't be certain that what we're going to gain is going to be better than the comforts we already possess, then it must not be the will of God. Which is saying is that, you know what? I'm not so sure I can give my money to the Lord because who's going to take care of me? I'm not so sure I can give my money to missions or to the church because I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to outlive my money. And if I start giving to the Lord, that just gets rid of money to take care of myself. We make all these assumptions, and yet Abraham left behind great gain in order to gain what the Lord had promised. And some of the Hebrews, remember the book of the Hebrews? Some of them had their property confiscated with joy. Why? They knew they had lasting possessions. Once again, faith obeys the voice of God even when the earthly future is not clear. All right, it gets more fun. Verse 9. Verse 9. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, 
as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. So he left his home, didn't know where he was going, ends up in the promised land. And while he's there, he still has to live by faith. He had to settle down in the promised land as a stranger and an alien just passing through. So he had to live this nomadic life in these movable tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, uh, who were heirs of the same promise. So it's kind of weird. He's kind of settled and unsettled. He's in the promised land. Does anybody know what Abraham, there's one thing he bought when he was in the promised land. Remember what that was? This is a grave, yeah. You're like, what? A grave? Yeah, for his for his wife. So he's there, he's got money, he can buy a big old house, build a big old house, and he's living in tents. And his neighbor's gotta go, What is up, Abraham? We welcome you to our land, but wow, look at, why don't you buy something? Why didn't he buy anything? What did he live in tents for? Well, the idea is he, he didn't want to settle down among the pagans. He didn't want to be incorporated into their way of life. And one of the ways he showed that he was an alien and just passing through is that he lived in tents. This is supposed to minister to the Hebrews. They were to walk in the footsteps of Abraham. They were to live as aliens and strangers among the people who did not share their faith but persecuted them because of it. And you may wonder, how could Abraham live like that? Verse 10, verse 10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It's talking about heaven. In Galatians 4, 26, Paul speaks of the Jerusalem that is above and Revelation 21.10 speaks of the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. We are told specifically that Abraham lived in tents because he was looking toward a city that had solid foundations and wasn't movable like a tent. He knows that his pagan neighbors did not really live in solid enduring structures because they were built by men. He was looking for this heavenly city which is the same thing we're supposed to be looking for. Book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. When I write letters to the church, when I write letters to my friends, when I write letters to you, I end them looking toward home and I sign my name. Now, I want to be always looking toward home, but the idea is if I'm truly looking toward home, looking toward home, our forever home with Jesus will change the way we act now. Do you realize that? Here's what I don't want to happen. This is what I heard one pastor say to his church, and so I'm going to say it to you. I don't want to get to heaven, and you come up to me, and you say to me, Pastor why didn't you tell me about all this? Why didn't you tell me I was wasting my time? Why didn't you tell me I was wasting all my money on things on the earth? Pastor, why didn't you tell me about this? I'm telling you right now. There is an eternal home, a city without fountain. It's for you. It's ready. It's coming. Don't waste your time here. Don't waste your life here. Live for another kingdom. I'm telling you right now. And so it's on you. 
be responsible with your time, responsible with your money, to live in a certain way that glorifies the Lord, to live for the unseen city that is coming. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Sarah. Let's talk a little bit about Sarah and Abraham together. Verse 11 and 12. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as a sand which is by the seashore. Okay, let's just be for real. And it's great to talk to our congregation here. Um, some of you are not quite as old as Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. And it's funny, it says that Abraham was as good as dead. Does that describe anyone in here? Uh, I thought you'd be on board. All right. Now, it's sad that Sarah was barren her whole life, and that's going to be very painful. And in spite of all the impossibilities, by faith, she was able to have a child, nothing but a miracle. Now, let's, just, let's think about Abraham and Sarah's expression of faith, okay? You're thinking, huh, I know that story, and that's not really quite how it went. Because when Abraham and Sarah first got the news that 90 and 100-year-old are going to have a baby, what did they do? Laugh. Laughing is not a laugh of faith, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. Uh, okay, so that laughing, that wasn't good. Uh, that wasn't an, an action of faith. And you think, oh, what about that Hagar situation? Remember? Brought Hagar into the picture. That wasn't an act of faith. And you're thinking, well, what was the act of faith that Hebrew is just talking about of Sarah and Abraham? And, and, and I, I don't know if I'm interpreting the Bible right, but I think the act of faith for Abraham and Sarah was not laughing, was not bringing Hagar into the situation. It was simply bringing romance back into the marriage. That's what happened. She had a baby. They believed the Lord and obeyed the Lord even in the midst of the impossible. And we are told in verse 11 that she considered him faithful. In some sense, translations say he considered him faithful. Either one, Abraham and Sarah, both considered him faithful who had made the promise. God is faithful to his promises. And it's crazy to think that two old people at this age could have a child, even unthinkable, and yet God fulfilled his promise, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And you and me, we may be like the Hebrews who find it very hard to believe that there is going to be, God is going to fulfill his promise to give us life, life eternal in heaven. And it may seem impossible because some of you are going through trials right now that thinking about being with the Lord forever, you're thinking, Lord, is that really going to happen? Because my life is kind of a mess right now. And the idea is to get your eyes off of the scene and to put your eyes on the unseen. And there you will see the faithful God who keeps his promises. The command to us in Hebrews 10.23 is let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. And so let's put it all together this morning. 
The faith obeys the voice of God, even in the unknown, by looking toward home and relying on God's faithfulness. Really easy, right? (laughs) Faith obeys the voice of God, even in the unknown, by looking toward home and relying on God's faithfulness. Do you believe it? Hmm. Because if you truly believe it, I really think if I'm reading the Bible rightly, if I'm reading Hebrews 11 rightly, your life will look different than your neighbor's who does not know Jesus. I'm just saying, I really believe that. If you look at Old Testament, New Testament characters, their lives look different than those who do not believe. I've heard it put this way, and I just want you to think about this, all right? Noah built an ark. Abraham left the security and comforts of his country and set out in the unknown and he lived in tents. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you straight up, all right? And this is you, you, this between you and God, you and your spouse, you and whoever. I'm going to ask you, what in your life is an ark? What in your life is a tent? What in your life is a baby? where people look at you and say, that is crazy. Unless God is real, unless eternity is real, that just doesn't make sense. What in your life is an ark? What in your life is a tent? What in your life is a baby that says, you know what? I so follow Jesus that my manner of speaking and living and acting is going to be distinguished from those who don't know Jesus. For real, it's, you, do you believe? If you believe, you will act in line with those beliefs and that is often gonna make you at odds with the world and it's gonna make you stand out and people are gonna say, that doesn't make sense. A 90 and 100 year old with a baby, that's ridiculous. You have all that money and you live at a tent, that's crazy. What are you doing building an ark? We don't even know what rain is. What in your life is an ark, a tent, a baby? And for some of you, the answer is going to be, even for the first time today, to follow Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus, to say, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in to seeing the unseen eternal life through his life, death, and resurrection. And that is probably going to set you apart big time as your family may think you're crazy. But today could be the day you start to follow Christ. And for those of you who already follow Christ, today's the day to take steps of faith. And the biggest action point you can take today of faith is to start obeying what you know. God is speaking to you through his word. Start obeying what you know. Even if it doesn't make your life better in the short term, obey what you know. As you come to the Lord and you're asking him for wisdom about your future, about moving, about whatever else, and you feel that small nudge conviction, he's saying, yeah, we'll talk about that later, but let's deal with this first. What is this first for you? To forgive someone? To turn away from a life of lust or greed? I don't know what it is for you. But my brothers and sisters, we truly want to be people that says, okay, God, speak to me. I'll do whatever you say, no matter the consequences. I'll go anywhere, do anything, 
obey you in the small and the big things. And may it be said of us, we stepped out in faith even though we didn't know where we were going. We stepped out in faith even though we're as good as dead. We stepped out in faith and followed Jesus by his grace and his power. And we walk in the footsteps of the heroes of faith. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.